Thanks for joining us for another episode on our podcast on Habakkuk, casting concerning questions. Now we get to see the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's second set of questions that he offered. We read from Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, as we begin the Lord's answer. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. This is the first part of the Lord's response. Uh, There's a number of verses that will follow that we'll continue and look at with our next episode. But as we begin to look at the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's second set of questions, kind of refreshing ourselves on what those questions that Habakkuk raised as he confessed his faith, trusting that what God said would be true, that he would use the Babylonians that he raised up, the questions really kind of were, well, why do you tolerate their treacherous, being, them being treacherous? Why do you allow someone so especially dangerous and evil to continue like this, to be really your instruments? Another, sec, another question he asked was then follow-up that is, well, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the more righteous themselves. Not only do you just allow it, but you say nothing about it. Why, Lord? And then the last one is simply really almost Habakkuk's conclusion of if these things are going to be like this, is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Is this just going to continue? Will there be any relief from the destruction? And the Lord replies, and the first things that come out of the Lord's mouth really seem to maybe not have anything to do with that, do they? And uh, yeah, I mean, you think of if we were carrying this out over these these two episodes here, but just carrying that out conversationally, and you think of okay, so I ask these questions uh, last time. You know, I we kind of said, are these really caring, concerning questions? If I'm sitting in God's shoes, they don't necessarily feel that way. And then um, I guess I'm just picturing this conversation being played out. Habakkuk says these, and then God responds with what he says in verses 2 and 3. And I'm just picturing Habakkuk like with this confused slash frustrated and angry look on his face of, you didn't answer my questions, God. That's how it feels. Yeah, almost like maybe to think to himself, one of the first questions is, how much, how long must I cry out to you before you listen? Mm-hmm. Um, what a non sequitur we got here. Does not Just does not follow. But yet it does. Yet it does. And can you point out some of the things that seem to that seem to follow along here that maybe upon closer inspection do um, answer the things that Habakkuk places before God. And maybe that's looking too closely at Habakkuk's questions. Habakkuk's questions are often why, why, which I think we can understand so much, that that often is our question to God, why, why. It's, it makes me laugh a little bit because um, it, that, like we, 
we ask it so often to God, and yet when we get asked that question so much, we become so frustrated by that continued question. And we think about the, how often when we're asked that question, the response that we want to say is, look what we said. Mm-hmm. And is that not what God is saying here? Look what I've said. And when I say something, what that means. You see here in the Revelation, he says, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. The Lord says to Habakkuk, I'm not keeping things from you. I'm proclaiming it to you, and that has to be proclaimed to everyone else, too. That response makes me laugh just a little bit of just like, don't keep these things to yourself. Don't pretend like my answer isn't an answer or to sit here and puzzle over it. But no, instead, take this and, and share it. Yeah, and that applies not only to what the Lord's already said, but then also what he's going to say. It's... To Habakkuk's question of why, the question we so often ask, it's almost underlying as this is, Lord, you haven't told me something yet. Lord, there's something more I need to know. And the Lord says, what I reveal, it's not like it's a secret. It's not like I do it in a mysterious way that's hard to understand. No, I make it play on tablets. Write it down. Let people know. The other part that maybe comes to is with this revelation, as God says it, he says, when I say something, it is going to happen. And that's maybe that comes to that question there as well with why. So often the why is, okay, we want more information but are we trusting in what God has already told us? Those details are something that, that we thirst for. And here we, we just see that with this response that there, there certainly are times when it's, that's not like, the, you don't need to know the details. Um, be content with the answer. And yet we still want to ask why. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or we still want to say, tell us more, God. Mm -hmm. Why would you do it this way? And with that, you know, awaiting an appointed time, I, I think we start to get a sense for, okay, there, there is this sense of, okay, it's going to happen, but it's not in our timetable. And I, to me, it also ties into just this thought of those questions of why, more explanation, that kind of like, no, I'm not going to get that to you. And merely, too, you know, you look at this question of why, and as the Lord answers appointed time, think with Habakkuk when that appointed time would happen. Um, seeing what's going to follow as really answer the question, why are you tolerating this? And the Lord's saying, well, I don't tolerate it forever. There is a time that the judgment comes. And as he reveals, it's going to be an appointed time. For Habakkuk's time, this is maybe about 60 or so years later. It's a lot, almost a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when you say, when I hear 60 years and I think about so often the timetables that we're talking about when we talk about biblical things, 60 years is such a tiny little fraction on that, that timeline. But then, again, when you think about it in terms of our lifetimes and in terms of our patience and way of measuring things, 60 years seems like forever. 
Um, I, and I guess I just think about it in terms of like an email response or a text response. And if you don't get a response within 12 hours, you're frustrated. Um, it seems like or, a lifetime. Or 12 minutes sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so here we are with God and, and 60 years when, again, when I first hear that, I think, oh, when I'm thinking about things from the Bible, 60 years seems pretty small. But in that term of how we as humans measure time and our expectations being even greater than, than theirs at that time, I would say it is a long time. And to think there too is that reassurance the Lord says, you ask, why don't you do this? Why are you silent? The answer really to Habakkuk's questions is, I'm not. Right. I'm not silent about it. In fact, I'm revealing it right now to you. There's your answer. I'm not silent. I don't tolerate it. I have an appointed time for it. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is one of the things that is special, I guess, about that response. And last time we talked about this idea of fairness, um, one thing with, with that response is we see God's consistency. In spite of the fact that you would say, you maybe question the time or how things are, are happening, God doesn't make an excuse for them or say, like, because they're my special agent, I'm going to allow this. Um, he's incredibly consistent with that and says, you know, it's like their time will come, but it will come on my timetable. Mm -hmm. And there's ways he says as far as that timetable, though it lingers, wait for it, lingers from our perspective, it will certainly come, and he says, will not delay. Now, how can you say something's going to linger but not delay? It, it just doesn't work from our perspective. But it's not delaying from God's perspective. It happens when he wants it. And I think for the people that hear that, there is more hope in that phrase than we can fairly connect to it. And I say that because we're not in captivity. We're not watching all these horrible things happen to us. For them, I guess I, I look at them at hold, being able to, um, for those believers, hold on to that. And as they are experiencing those things, um, and as they continue to sit in captivity, as they continue to have injustice done to them, to be able to go back to those words and to see that good news, that comfort that's found in like, okay, we're sitting here, um, we are growing old in captivity, these awful things are happening to us and to our children, but yet God has told us that he's going to take care of this, that it will come, um, and it will certainly come. And I think that's just the reassuring thing as, okay, the Lord starts out with this answer to really remind you, I am answering you. I have not ignored you. I'm not just saying, oh, you don't need to know this. But here's your answer. I speak, I reveal, and the time is coming. He goes on then to really talk and start showing how he's going to bring really judgment to the Babylonians. And it's a similar way that God many times brings judgment still today. What's striking about that is within it's these verses... You, he has one comment about the righteous. And that was one of the things Habakkuk had said before, that why are you silent while the wicked swallow those more righteous than themselves? And so God does not ignore that question either. He's going to address, okay, the more righteous. Well, what do we see for the righteous person? We get there, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Or some translations have, well, the righteous person will live by his faith. 
So God is speaking still, not silent to the righteous person. And now it's, okay, what does this passage mean? What is God saying that this righteous person will live by his faithfulness? There, I think that we really get a chance to see that God gives us like this, with our faith comes this adherence to God's laws, comes this following what God says. And those things, it's a, I think it's always an interesting thing to go back. And as we look at the Ten Commandments, um, it's something that it's so easy to get confused by the purpose of those Ten Commandments um, and to start to misuse them and to not, I think, use them in the way that gets connected to this verse, um, which is to say that we are blessed by keeping those commandments. Um, we see that God sets those up as a blessing to us. And right? maybe, I say maybe before we get even further into that topic, because that is where we want to really flesh out a little bit more. Um, we've, you've maybe heard these words before. They are actually quite familiar words. The righteous will live by faith. Uh, Staff Minister Werder was just pointing out uh, they're the words they show up in an Indiana Jones movie. Um, they're words the Apostle Paul quotes in Romans, um, saying the righteous will live by faith. And it's coming right after, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And in that context, the righteous will live by faith. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uses those words connecting, we live by faith in Jesus, in the gospel, the good news. How Habakkuk uses these words that are then later quoted, he uses them in a little different way. He's not pointing and saying, live by faith, trusting in God. It's true. We see that elsewhere in Scripture that, okay, eternal life is ours. But he is specifically pointing out to their lives right then and there as far as how they will operate, what they will do, and what blessings then do come to them in contrast to the wicked. And that's where you're going as far as with the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and I, I just think that when we when we look at them, we see that through that keeping of those commandments, um, we, we see the blessings that flow from them. One of the ones that comes to my mind, especially during this time, um, just thinking about the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And so we see many people, many scriptural examples of people that are not following this, but then we see how their lives become much more, in an earthly sense, much more difficult as they go through all these hardships. And then you think of, okay, what's the purpose of that sixth commandment, not committing adultery? Protecting family, protecting this um, this relationship between husband and wife. Uh, so you look at that and you say, well, what's the blessing uh, of that? And you say, well, our family is going to be blessed through this. Um, you know, our, our children are going to learn, um, are going to have this connected family group. Um, there's all kinds of blessings that flow from that. And I think as you go through the Ten Commandments, you see that repeated theme of, in that sense of keeping them, that there are blessings that then are attached to following those things. Certainly, according to our sinful natures, what do you see? You see as things we are to do or to not to do as, okay, it's seemingly a burden. Mm -hmm. But with our new man, you look and say, really, this is God's way of protecting his blessings that he's already gives. And 
the joy that comes to first desire to want to do this. The righteous will live by faith. That's what the righteous do. They live by faith unless they seek to do God's will. And that is where life is, that as they do it, God continues to bless through it. And so maybe it's just a valuable thing to think, you know, as you have been walking in God's ways, how has God been continuing to give those blessings to you? And I think the really important thing with that is to be able to see that, yes, these are blessings from God. Um, we can interpret them and think of them as so many different ways. That two of the ones that pop into my mind are, one, this was really lucky that this happened. Or two, like, well, I did these good things, and now this is the universe's way of repaying me for the good things that I've done. Or the opposite of that, the universe's way of repaying me for the evil that I have done. And instead of attributing those things to luck or the universe, instead to be able to, to look at this and to kind of do what Habakkuk has been doing with these things and talk about God in that equation. And it's one of those things not to try to say, all right, no bad is going to happen to you if you follow God's commandments. You know, God's people still suffer. We are in a corrupted world by sin. Mm -hmm. But generally, things go better for your life when you do God's will. Yeah, yeah. And, and I... Thank you for putting that way because there, there is like this, this common sense element versus yes, um, as a result of sinfulness in this world of all those things that, yeah, there are times when we can say, I, I feel like I'm, I'm trying so hard to do this and it's not fair. It's not going to be. But like you said, at the same time, there is this, these blessings that can go along yeah. with that. And don't all of a sudden, okay, something now, some tragedy happens in your life. Don't play, oh no, it's because of something. No, that's not. Mm -hmm. But you see, as you do follow God's commands, how the destruction is avoided in some ways. Mm -hmm. Never will be perfectly avoided because we're in a sinful world with are sinners. But, you know, you mentioned there as far as the Sixth Amendment, as far as family and growing that. Um, you can, And once again, we can extend this to all these different commandments. Yeah. And, I mean, whether it is, you know, say Eighth Commandment and the way we talk about others. And it's really you're protecting their reputation, protecting your own. And you realize as, you know, you seek to uplift others and talk about them, you see how God blesses your reputation, how he's blessing those people too. It's, and it, it's just, you just have to kind of laugh and smile um, as, as you think about different, I guess, waves of... Um, how to live and good practices and to see them start from this wisdom from scripture. Um, the one that you just mentioned, I think is, is an awesome example. It, it, you know, kind of ties into this idea of positivity and speaking well of others and all these things and how, yeah, you can wrap that up in earthly wisdom, but where did that start with? And you see it starting with, with God's wisdom. Um, and it, it's fun to be able to do that with a lot of different um, thoughts and ideas for how we can live a better life and to be able to see the origins of so many, so much of that wisdom starting in God's word. And in some ways, too, as God answers this and with his words, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. It's almost an answer then saying, you don't need to worry about the other people, Habakkuk. Yeah. The righteous person doesn't live by avoiding the treacherous. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Do what, do what God wants. Strive to do it. Now, we know he won't do it perfectly. We always run to his forgiveness. But God will bless us when we walk in his ways. 
that then shows the contrast there. On the other side, though, the contrast as, all right, still also answering Habakkuk's question, why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why do you, are you silent? And really, maybe the last one, is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations? The contrast is, what happens when people don't follow God's ways? And I think what's really unique here is the Lord's answer is not saying, I'm going to raise up another nation. Now, he does, and that's the interesting thing with the history. He does. But that's not how he answers here. What is his answer to, really, the wicked, the treacherous? I, I guess when I look at that, I, I guess I, I just see this. The, the answer is really his, um, there's self-destruction here in that he, like the, the need and the desire for these more things, they build up and, and that is his destruction. He's his own downfall. Um, and he pointing to the nation, the people. Mm-hmm. And it's a self-destruction that really, because it's continually increasing, sin is never satisfied. Sin is never satisfied. We get here, a comparison, the greedy as far as the grave, like death is never satisfied. Death is never satisfied in that, okay, enough people have died, we're done. No, going to keep taking life. But you see the, the sin, the wickedness, the evil, always more, always more, never enough. And what's interesting is that God doesn't say, all right, the righteous, now I will use you. He doesn't say I'm going to use a different enemy nation. He just simply says, I'm going to let it happen. Sin always destroys. And so I'll let that self-destruction take place. What perhaps it is a redirecting thing in our lives, because I don't know if we're always content with that answer. Of As we see evil around us, to simply say, God is letting it play its course. And it's not him tolerating sin, but that actually is way he's going to bring judgment. I wonder if there's some things that help us as we, you know, what are ways that can remind us as we see, okay, evil around us or sin seemingly go unpunished or maybe examples simply of how it's going to self-destruct that we can be content with what God reveals here. I think that, um, I guess that that contentness that, that we find is ultimately, I think number one, we, we find that in scripture, um, this contentness with, with seeing what God has in store for us. So I think it starts with this, this okay, we get a chance to see the contentment that we have in knowing that uh, we look at these precious truths of our sins paid for, of a place waiting for us in heaven. And I think that contentness starts there um, and, and flows from that backwards, if, if you want to think about that, to, to present. Um, where those other things uh, that we look at, they, they can start to feel and seem more trivial when we are able to look at it with that perspective. And I don't want to make it seem as if the hardships and the different struggles that we face are trivial. And I don't mean to make it seem as if that's how God views them, because we know that he doesn't. Um, and we know that they are real hardships. 
but it does help us to have a different perspective when we start there and work our way back with, okay, this is what God has done for me. This is what I have. And working back from that makes those things more palatable, maybe. To be content in saying we don't have to see God's judgment here on earth because we know what is in store for us. I think in some ways, maybe for Habakkuk, you could understand, maybe he's going to get upset by this. Um, as he cries out for injustice in his own land and God raises something up specific for it, he says for the other ones, well, I'll just let it be. I'll just let it be. But also then perhaps remember that that's sometimes God, how God operates with us. He doesn't necessarily raise up a specific instrument of judgment, but he lets the sin be its own judgment. And it points to that destructiveness of, of that sin, that, that that is the end result. Um, and I think it, it gives us this, um, this then another picture of God's mercy in that us left to ourselves, just always self-destructing, always um, falling apart, and creation and everything else as well. Um, so often we look at the world falling apart and, and we see the, these different traces of it, but then what is it that's kept things together for this long? And it's God's mercy that's, that's allowed that to happen. Um, because certainly if God did not want the world to continue to be around today, it wouldn't be. Um, but he has continued to will that. He has continued to, in spite of all the ways that things are falling apart, to hold it together because he wants for more people to be saved. And that's maybe too, and you see another answer to Habakkuk's question, why do you tolerate it? Why is it gonna, is it just going to keep continuing? Oh yeah, God will let this destruction really self-implode, but you realize it's not that he's tolerating it. It would collapse much quicker <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that he was showing his mercy. It'd already be over. And that then, I think, helps... Habakkuk and, and also us to, to think about that in, in a much different light uh, if we are able to, to hold that up instead of flipping that around. Um, it, I think, is tremendously helpful for us to be able to view things in that light. And then it's only by his mercy as, you know, times that we don't follow God's ways that things don't self-implore more than they should. Right. That he doesn't take his blessings completely away from us, that he continues to still pour them out upon us even in sin, and still then you know, gives us more opportunity to walk in his ways and continue to bless us. The righteous will live by his faithfulness. That wraps up this episode, kind of recapping as we see the Lord's answer in that he shows that the comfort, the certainty, and really the wanting everyone to know that he does answer and here it is, as he reveals with his appointed time, he is not silent. And then realizing the way he works is sometimes just letting things run its course. That is his will, because that's going to come to his appointed time. Letting things run their course as he's set up boundaries and barriers around his blessings, know that there are blessings and mercy that come with it too. We get to look at the rest of the Lord's answer next time as he is going to really kind of draw out what this means in that he lets sin bring its own destruction and show 
Habakkuk show us that that's not something we need to be all of a sudden upset about, that seeming like God's not intervening in a miraculous way or a specifically divine chosen path, but really this is his path, divinely chosen, and you see how it works. You see how it is destruction, how it really is judgment. That's it for this time. We hope you can join us next. 